Hello, welcome to Now Tell Us. Now this is where we have a guest come and tell us stories, good stories, inspirational, educational. And if you have a story out there, you can always come and share it with us. And uh, today we have a guest who is going to tell us some interesting thing. I mean, how is music related to health? Well, I don't know that, but our guest is going to tell us. So I won't take one extra minute, but I'm going to invite to the show, David Combs. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and we are glad that we are having you here because we are going to understand something that we may not be aware of. And uh, that is going to happen along as we move along the show. But uh, I always like starting from the beginning as we usually start from the beginning. We would like to know who is Dave Combs? Well, uh, I am a native of Tennessee, the state of Tennessee. Uh, actually, and Tennessee is a big, long, narrow state. I'm from East Tennessee. <laughs> East Tennessee is known for, I think, for its mountain folks and its music. Uh, a lot of folks watching this will know of a person by the name of Dolly Parton. Mm. She is a world-famous, wonderful performer. She's from East Tennessee. Oh, and okay. so am I. And, and I think uh, Tennesseans, we have kind of music in our bones. You know, we're, it's, you know, when Nashville, Tennessee is known as Music City, USA. Uh -huh. And it's you know, and it's not just country music; it's all kinds of music. Lots of wonderful musicians live and perform in Nashville, Tennessee. But I'm from East Tennessee. I grew up in a small community. My mother and father both were musical. They both played the piano. Mm -hmm. My mother played by she could read music. She could play hymns out of the hymn book. My father learned to play from his mother by ear. He learned to play by ear. He could just sit down at the piano and play whatever he wanted to play. He just had a really good ear for music. And so I really have a little bit of both. I, of course, I took piano lessons when I was eight or nine years old, like most kids. Mm -hmm. But then after that, I kind of taught myself, you know, I studied how to make chords. I had a guitar and I love to learn how the chords are constructed. And so i Music was always of an interest to me, and I loved listening to music and making music. Mm. I was very, very active in our local church. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a Baptist by, by denomination, and in the Baptist church, music is always a huge part of the worship service. Oh, sure. So I grew up with, you know, wonderful choir music. We had a great organist and, and p organ and piano duets and, you know, quartets and choral music, all kinds of things, solos. And so I grew up around music, even in my community. A lot of my classmates in school and, you know, they were in the same kind of environment. So we had a wonderful high school chorus, for example. Mm -hmm. We love singing and putting on performances. And music's just been a kind of a foundation underpinning of my life. And if now, I may my... ask one question. Sure. Uh, uh, how long was how long ago was that when you were growing up? <laughs> now you're you're really getting uh, into the, uh, the the nitty gritty here. I am, uh, let's say I'm I'm over fifty years old. I actually mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to tell it. I am seventy five years old. Whoa! Born in nineteen forty seven in Tennessee, and so no. I grew up. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll pay you later, Anthony. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
but yeah, I'm, I've been around quite a while with my music all my life. And my, my professional career, though, started and through college. I was a math major and a physics minor, and mm-hmm. I worked in the computer center for four years. That was how I worked, worked my way through college at working in the computer center. So when I graduated, I had four years of experience programming and all about computers. And okay. I, got hired, I got hired immediately by a technology company called Western Electric. They were looking for computer programmers. Well, I had four years experience. They hired me just like that. So my career started out in technology and it remained in that my, my professional career. Mm-hmm. I stayed with Western Electric, which later became AT&T, which is the more company everybody knows about now. I stayed with them for 22 and a half years. And all of my jobs in that, I progressed up the ranks, were uh, around technology. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, at home and on weekends and evenings, music was a big part of my life. I love playing the piano and singing and all those kind of things. So music's always been there. Mm-hmm. The intersection of those two, though, happened in 1981. I had I was sitting at home one evening to relax, sitting at the piano, just playing some music on the piano. That's how I like to relax. You know, everybody has their routines for relaxing, whether it's go for a walk or go for a hike or play an instrument or read a good book, whatever it is that you use to just chill out and relax. And we're going to talk about the health aspects of music later on. Okay. For me, for, for me sitting at the piano and playing something was the way I relaxed. Mm-hmm. Well, this particular time, it was January 1981. I sat down at my piano that evening and I played this song. It was not a song that I'd heard before. It wasn't anything that I had... Uh, Uh, dreamed up or even thought about writing, I just sat down and played this song. Mm -hmm. So it was, the way I describe it, it was an inspiration, I guess. It was delivered to me, through me to the piano, and it just, then it existed. Okay. So uh, you might call that writing a song, but I didn't really sit down to write a song. Uh. Anyhow, a couple of days later, my wife, Linda, came home from her office, from her work, and she said, Dave, what is the name of this song that I've had stuck in my head all day long? You know how you get a song in there and you just kind of hum it over and over all day long. I think they call it an earworm. Well, she hummed a little bit of it and I said, well, Linda, it doesn't have a name. And she says, what do you mean? It doesn't have a name. You play it on the piano all the time. I said, well, it's just something I made up. Well, she got all excited and said, well, have, have you written it down? I said, no, I've got it up in my head. I'm not going to forget it. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, no, now something might happen to you and that song would be gone. So you better write it down. And I said, mm-hmm. OK, yes, ma'am, I will write it down. So I got me a piece of music manuscript paper, which I had some. And here's what I wrote down. I'm For those of you watching, I'm holding it up, but I'll describe for those listening. Mm-hmm. It's just manuscript paper with the notes of the melody written out and the chords written above the melody. Yeah. And at the top, it just simply says, copyright David M. Combs, 1981. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have a name. You know, it's just, that's the music. And so I, I took this piece of paper and put it in my piano bench and I'm happy and she's happy. So we have the song now written down and it doesn't have a name. Mm. Well, two years later, some good friends of ours have a little baby girl named Rachel. Okay. And 
her mom and dad asked us to be her godparents or if we would be her godparents. And then we said, yes, of course. So we went to her christening service as a little baby mm. and at a little country church on a Saturday with just us and the family and the minister for her christening service. And at the front of this little church on the platform in the middle was a baby grand piano, beautiful piano. Mm-hmm. Well, all during the, the, the formal part of the service, Linda and I are sitting there in the pew and I keep looking over at that piano on the platform. And by when the service was just about over, I punched Linda and I said, hey, what if I go over to the piano and play this song as part of the end of the, the service here? I think it just fits perfect. And she said, great idea. Mm-hmm. So I went up and I asked Rachel's mom and dad and the minister if it'd be OK if I played a tune on the piano and they said okay so everybody sat back down I went over to the piano and I started playing I played the songs in the key of C just a very simple melody and I got most of the way through it and I and I hear out in the audience I hear and little sniffles and you know and and I noticed that I was having some tears coming out of my eyes as well very Mm -hmm. tender it's a tender service anyway. Beautiful, beautiful service. So at the end of playing the song, I played the last notes. I looked over at where Rachel was in the arms of her mother. And I said, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's Song in her honor. Mm-hmm. And, and Anthony, that's how the my first song I had ever written got its name. And it was the perfect name for the song. Just fit everything beautifully. Mm. So that was the beginning of my songwriting. And little did I know at the time, it was the beginning of another whole trajectory and chapter in my life. I did not know that music could eventually become and overtake my my professional career in the technology world. Mm-hmm. But that was that was how it got started. Yeah. And I've had many talk about uh, their gifts taking over their career. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yes. So that's a story that you've had in your own life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that was just the beginning. The next okay. thing that the next key thing that happened was, and this happened about three years later, it took three years for this to take place. Mm-hmm. I was working in my job, professional job with uh, the Western Electric AT&T company. Part of the time I was having having to work in Nashville, Tennessee. We were cutting over some new software at the factory that was in in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And so Linda, my wife, says, Dave, while you're in Nashville, why don't you find a a studio and a musician? Let's get a professional demo recording made of Rachel's song. You know, Mm -hmm. you play it beautiful. You know, there's no problem with you playing it, but it would be great to have a professional version of it done. I thought, wow, that's, that's a great idea. So one evening after work, I'm driving around downtown Nashville, Tennessee, to look for a studio to record Rachel's song. Mm -hmm. I I go over into the part of town that they call Music Square. It's about a two square block area that everything in that area has to do with music. Mm -hmm. The Country Music Hall of Fame is there. The BMI headquarters, ASCAP headquarters, uh, RCA studios, the old famous studio that you can tour is there. And so it's a great place. And I thought, well, this is, I'm surely I can find something here. I'm driving down a side street there called Roy Acuff Place. And for some of your audience, you'll remember the name Roy Acuff. He was a well, much loved musician 
in Nashville, Tennessee at the Grand Ole Opry and, and with country music and everything. Mm-hmm. They named the street after him. So I'm driving down Roy Acuff Place, and I look ahead, and there's this big building with a barn-shaped roof to it. And out on the street corner is this big water wheel. You know, it, can't, it obviously been moved from a mill someplace. It's put mm-hmm. there. And on the side of the building, it says the music mill. And so I thought, oh, this is encouraging. Mm-hmm. So I went around the corner and sure enough, I saw a gla- through the glass door, there was a man sitting at the desk in the lobby. So I go over, knock on the door and he comes, unlocks it. And he, he opens it and he says, uh, hello, I'm George Clinton. Can I help you? Now, it's a different George Clinton than most of you immediately jumped to. There's lots of famous George Clintons around. But, but yeah. this famous George Clinton was a recording engineer in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. I just knew him as George Clinton. So he, I told him what I was looking for. I said, I'm looking for a studio to record a demo of a song I've written. And he said, well, come on in, Dave. And so I went into the lobby. And as I stepped into this two-story big lobby, over on the left wall was this giant photograph of, Bill, of Glenn Campbell. And mm-hmm. then in front of me was a huge life-size panorama photo of the group Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, the performing group, that great singing group. And then there was the Forrester sisters over here. And there was gold records and platinum records on the walls, you know, framed all over the place. Obviously a classy place. Mm-hmm. So I was <laughs> probably, I said, well, George, I have never been in a studio before. And he says, well, there's nobody recording right now. It's very unusual, but there's not, nobody here but me. He said, let's go on a tour. I'll take you on a tour of the studio. I said, that'd be great. Let's go over in the studio A, the big one. Mm-hmm. Said, okay, we go in there, and here's this big room where all the musicians set up. You could put an orchestra in there. It was that big a room. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, a nine foot concert grand piano over in the corner, and you know, glass uh, walled rooms, uh, little isolation rooms around the wall, and and then he said, let's go over into the control room where all the the engineer works. I said, okay. So mm-hmm. he opens this. He opens this big, thick, soundproof door. It's about six or eight inches thick. You know, heavy door. You know, open that door, and you go in there. First thing I see, Anthony, is the is the console. You've probably been in a recording studio or seen one. But they, these are these devices that are about eight eight or ten feet long. It looked like, and had the sliders and the knobs and the switches and the lights and everything. It was very impressive. Mm-hmm. And then, then behind that were recording machines you know the digital recorders analog recorders and through the big pick the soundproof glass window where you could look out into where the musicians were on each side was these big monitor speakers where you could hear everything that's going on and hear the sound recorded mm-hmm. and so i said wow george how much does this place rent for and he says well it's 125 dollars an hour plus engineer now this was 1986, Anthony. Yeah, and, if you, and that was that was a lot of money back then. Right, fact, it was. It was today's dollars with inflation that we're looking at right now. It was probably over five hundred dollars an hour now. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of that's a lot of money. That's that's uh, more more money than I can think of per hour making in, in most careers. Mm-hmm. So I was probably showing my disappointment, and George says. Well, Dave, don't worry about it. He said, the fellow that owns this studio, he owns a tiny little studio across the street. 
and it's in a, what used to be a little rent house, it had a little two-bedroom house they converted to a studio. Mm-hmm. It has a baby grand piano, a, a small control room with enough cha- tracks and channels to do what you need done. And he said, it's just $15 an hour plus engineer. And mm. I said, okay, <laughs> I can do this. And I said, okay, George, what I need now is a musician that plays piano that can arrange and play my song for me. It's a very simple song, so I don't need, you know, a big uh, professional, uh, uh, you know, classical music. And this. Yeah. I just need a really good studio musician. He said, mm-hmm. oh, he said, I, I know the perfect person for you. He said, his name is Gary Prim, P-R-I-M, Gary Prim. Remember mm-hmm. that name because that name will last you for a long time. Yeah. But he said, I've go to church with Gary. I've known him for a long, long time. He's a great piano player. And let's go to my desk and I'll look up his phone number for you. So he did. He wrote down the number for Gary and gave it to me. Well, I got back in my rental car and I hightailed it back to the hotel room close to the airport. Now, you, you, your listeners are saying, well, why didn't you call him on your cell phone? cell phones hadn't even been thought well they i guess they had been thought about but nobody had really invented them yet Mm -hmm. and the internet certainly had not been invented yet Mm -hmm. so i had to go back to my landline and call gary i called his number got his answering machine and he called me back in about 30 minutes and he says this is gary prim can i help you I said, yeah, sure hope so. I've got a song, a little instrumental song that I'd love to have a demo made. And George Clinton said, you'd do a great job. Mm-hmm. He said, I'd be happy to do that. He said, just send me a cassette tape recording of you playing it and send me a lead sheet. And I said, okay, what's a lead sheet? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I, Anthony, I didn't know the, 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 the musical lingo of the, the Nashville musicians. Yeah. And he says, oh, it's just it's just the melody and the chords written out. I said, oh, well, I've got that. It's it's this the little piece of paper that I wrote the song down on to start with. I just mm-hmm. didn't know to call it a lead sheet. So got home that after that trip and I sent him the lead sheet and the tape of me playing it. And in two weeks later, we met in this tiny little studio on August the 22nd, 1986, on a Friday evening at six o'clock. Yeah, I remember that distinctly because that night changed my life. Mm. Here I am at six o'clock in this tiny little studio. In comes Gary Prim, wonderful person, just an instant friend kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's bringing his synthesizer with him and he sets it down and then he goes over to this little baby grand Yamaha piano and starts warming up. And I go in the control room with the engineer. And he gets setting up the tape recorders and all that stuff and gets the track sheet all written out. And so we're ready. And Gary, he looks up, says, well, I'm ready to record. So the engineer pushes record on the, um, the, rec- the machine and says, we're rolling. And Gary starts playing. He And remember, Anthony, I have never heard my music played by anybody but me mm-hmm. up to this point. So I had no idea what to expect, you know, when yeah. you hire somebody to create something for you it's you know you're you don't know what you're going to get you never know i was overly surprised i mean i was blown away by what i was hearing the the music he was playing yeah it's my song and and i of course recognized the song but it was arranged so beautifully and played so beautifully it was unbelievable 
Mm-hmm. Well, he got most of the way through the song and he stopped and he said, okay, let's, let's rewind. Let's do it again. I can do better. So the second time through, Anthony, he played the song perfectly. Didn't miss a note, no, no mistakes, anything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this is unbelievable. And if he had to stop there and said, okay, I'm done. Pay, pay me my money and I'll go home. I would have been happy. It was a beautiful piano solo. It still yeah. is. But Gary says, I've, I've got some ideas for this song. He said, I think it needs to have some, some additional instrumentation put in it. Mm-hmm. He said, for example, he said, I want to take the piano part. And for the, the second, the, most of the rest of the song after the beginning, I want to add an electric piano sound on top of the real piano. They, mm-hmm. I think he called it doubling. He wanted to double the piano. So mm-hmm. he, he couldn't do it. Elect, you know, you, today in today's technology, you could just push a button and, and do it mechanically. But back then, he had to set up his synthesizer, put it to electric piano sound. Of course, we're going to record on two more tracks on the, mm-hmm. on the machine. And he sat there with his headphones on, listening to the first piano part and played along with himself, basically, on the keyboard playing the electric piano sound. Mm-hmm. He nailed it. I mean, when you listen to the recording and, and before we're all finished, we're going to tell everybody how to go right after we're finished and listen to it. Okay. You, you, can, you, you can't tell that there's two instruments being played. It's, the sound is so close together that it's none of this out of sync stuff. It was, as we called it, it was really tight. It was really, he nailed it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Through the rest of the song. So that that really filled out, made it a full sound. The piano's beautiful by itself, but you add an electric piano on top, mm-hmm. it's just a, really a, another layer of, of enhancement. And then he says, well, I'm not done. He says, I want to do two more tracks of low strings to give it some bottom, and I want to do some high strings like violins at, to put it on the top. And then in the middle, it needs a little punch here and there, so I'm going to put in some horn sounds. So we went back, two more tracks, low strings, and two more tracks, and then he did the high strings, two more tracks, and he did the horns. Got all that recorded. That's about maybe, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes that we've been in the studio now. Mm-hmm. So he comes into the control room. He said, let's listen to it. So we did. He put it all together, the engineer did, and played it all together. I was absolutely, Anthony, blown away. And it just... I didn't know what to say. I, I'm sure my mouth was wide open, but anyway, it's fantastic. So yeah. I, he said, oh, I'm done. I said, okay. I wrote him a check for the agreed upon fee and he, he left. And when he left, that was, I didn't know whether I'd ever see Gary Prim again or not. Mm-hmm. That was just my first song. Yeah. Well, Anthony, it turns out that Gary Prim and I would go back in the studio over the years and record over 170 songs 14 albums worth. I had, after that, I wrote another 120 some songs and we recorded those, of course. And Gary and his wife are like family to me and my wife, Linda. We watched their two wonderful kids grow up and it's just, it's just been an amazing relationship. But Mm. that night, that was the beginning that night of that recording. And I yeah. like the fact that it only takes a seed to grow something big. Now, that uh, thing that, uh, I mean, the story that you've told us, uh, it seemed like it is, it's a simple thing at the beginning. And then it yeah. blows out into something very big. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's, it's like, you know, when, when a person decides to become a Christian and devote their life to Christ, mm-hmm. they don't, that's the beginning. And where that leads to can be anything from that person becoming a Billy Graham worldwide known preacher mm-hmm. to, a, you know, a, a wonderful local minister, a, you know, whatever leads it to in your life. But that be, it has to have a beginning. Do we, call it a, do we call it a step of faith? <laughs> yes, that first that's step. That yeah, first your, journey, your journey of faith begins with that first step. Mm-hmm. And my first step with my music then was, you know, the writing and the naming of the song and then getting it recorded mm-hmm. by Gary Prim. But that, again, was just another step along the way. Mm-hmm. And that song began to take on a life of its own. Everywhere I played that song, people were absolutely mesmerized by the song. Mm-hmm. It got played on the radio. Radio response was enormous. I got it played, and it's a long story. It's in my book about how I got it played on all easy listening radio stations in the entire United States, all 400 mm-hmm. of them at the time. Mm-hmm. I started getting fan mail from people. People were tracking me down and saying, I want my own copy of Rachel's song. I want to, I'm a piano player. I want to play it. So I had to go and transcribe what Gary played on the piano and create sheet music, which I did. Mm-hmm. That was one of my first things I ever did. Well, that, that sheet music just took off. Everybody, the music got used in weddings and funerals and special music all over the place. And then people wanted an album. Well, I had only written one song back by that time. Well, by 1988, I had sat down at my piano and discovered and it was a personal realization on my part that I, if I wrote Rachel's song, I could probably write some more. Yeah, I did. I sat down and surprised myself. I, yeah, I, I could create more songs. So I had created more songs. And by 1988, went back to the studio with Gary Prim and recorded an whole, a whole album. Mm-hmm. And that album is, you can find it right on the first page of my website. It's the Rachel song album. It has Rachel song, of course and other songs, my first first six other songs that I'd written. Okay. So I, that began then the thinking about, well, can I make this into a profitable or a viable business? Mm-hmm. Could it be possible that eventually this musical hobby that started out as a hobby, could it, and my love of music, my passion, could it become my whole career? Mm-hmm. Well, to make a long story short, I did find a way to sell my music, my CDs and cassette tapes at the time through gift shops all over the entire country. And it's another whole story. And that story is in my book too, about how I found over a thousand gift shops to play and sell my music. And at this point, I I already like uh, a fact that maybe we'll touch on before you even go into the wider scale of your music, the power of relationships. You have a wife who gives you an idea to put the play uh, the song into uh, uh, in the mu- in the music into writing or into give it a name and then you go and uh, meet with the family that invites you to be their godparents and uh, the name comes out of there and then you get, you meet Gary Pram who um, improves on the original music to have a very beautiful thing going on and then now you're going to move into the music shops and things like it's all about relationships and if there are strong relationships then your seed becomes a tree that uh, produces fruits at some point yes mm-hmm. 
it is a very, and it's a long progression. These are not, you know, you hear about these overnight successes. Well, this is yeah. anything but an overnight success. This is, mm -hmm. this is a lifelong story of success and of mm -hmm. successions of, of activities. Mm -hmm. And so that song led to more songs, led to albums, led to a, a business model of selling my music through gift shops, which by 1992, the income from my sales of my music allowed me to quit my job okay. at AT&T. After 22 and a half years, I was able to say, I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it, but I have got to get home and do my music business, which is what the good Lord put me on this planet to do. Mm -hmm. and so I started my full-time music in 1992 and then been doing ever since then. And so that was the progression to the full-time music aspect of that started with Rachel's song. Now it's 14 albums of music. As I said, 170 some songs and 11 piano music books that I've created for piano players all over the world. And it's just been a, a journey of unbelievable progression of steps but it's all along the way this music this the real story is that it touched people's lives to the extent that you know when i got letters from over fifty thousand people over the years about yeah. my music and somebody was telling me yesterday he said well you know if fifty thousand people took the trouble to write you just think how many millions of people didn't go to the trouble they heard it, oh, it touched, yeah, yeah. they didn't they didn't go to the trouble of writing to you Mm -hmm. So I am really touched by the music and and so are other people. And that's the title of the book. And that's why I wrote the book. These stories, I think, I'm told at least, that they're inspirational to people that are thinking about entrepreneurial kind of thinking of doing something for themselves or with. And it doesn't have to be music. It could be anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's the idea of taking your gifts and doing something with them. As I told somebody yesterday, I said, you know, your job with your, your gifts is to give them away. Yeah. You know, when, when I, when I create music. My job is to give that music away to people, get it out there so people can can hear it and be touched by it. And that's what we're going to talk about, I think, next is the health aspects of music. Yeah, <clears throat> Because mm -hmm. a lot of those 50,000 letters, I, I wish I had time, you know, it would take forever to read all of them. But mm -hmm. many of those letters and notes from people were anecdotal stories about how my music not just touched, not just entertained them, how it really touched their lives. There are stories mm -hmm. of alcoholics who used my music to help them through their the issues of alcoholism, uh, you know, whether it's sleeplessness or restlessness, those kind of side effects. Mm -hmm. that my music was a calming effect, had a calming, peaceful effect on them. Mm -hmm. And they attribute, many of them attributed my music, helping, helping them maintain their sobriety. Mm -hmm. There are instances of people who were dealing with depression or dealing with anxiety, those kind of things and how mm -hmm. listening to my music had helped their lives and helped them heal internally and, you know, spiritually, physically, mentally, and so forth. Mm. So the connection between music and health and healing is really strong. And in fact, you, if you Google health and music, you'll find there are lots of medical articles and studies where mm -hmm. they actually have studied the effect of music on blood pressure or stress or those kind of serious ailments that you can find yourself in.
So in your in the letters that you get, are there people who call you the musical doctor? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't I don't recall ever getting being called that, but I, mm. I most of them do refer to the, how the music ministered and and helped them through whatever it is that they were dealing with. Yeah, and going back uh, because we are all of us who uh, have the opportunity to watch you now on camera know that you don't look near 70 not even 60 you look about 40 something going to 50 <laughs> oh wow how, how has music how how what would you say or how has music contributed in you uh, staying as healthy as you look well it's 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 provided a tremendous motivation and inspiration to me because mm -hmm. every time i pick up uh, and, and in my book I, i have my chapter 21 in my book is that is a reprint of uh, about 22 pages of these special notes i i picked out the really special ones mm. and i put them in my book and i love and and i still if i want to be inspired and you know have something that makes me feel confirming that i'm doing the right thing i'll just flip over to chapter 21 and i'll start reading some of these wonderful stories about uh you know how the music helped somebody and, mm -hmm. and you know i've got tons of these anecdotal stories okay some of them some of them are real short some of them like i got a, a postcard for example one time there's only two lines on it and it it was said that i am this was a person he says i am i live in an iron lung you may remember those uh when polio came around in the 50s and 60s they, they the technology was to help you breathe they put you in an iron lung mm -hmm. He said, I have been living in an iron lung for, I forget, a couple, two or three years. And he said, your music brought me back to life twice. Mm. That's pretty powerful stuff. And it was stories mm. like that was that were so powerful that I, I put them in my book. And I love to read those. To It, it gives me inspiration when, mm -hmm. I, when I read about what, how, how they are. They don't know me, but all they know is my music how yeah. it has helped, helped their life. And it's, it's a great relationship. And, and that's, that's really why I'm doing what I'm doing now is to spread the word about me, my music and how music can help you in your life. Heaven mm -hmm. knows how much stress we have in this world today. You know, we have, oh, yeah, sure. we have wars, we have all kinds of economic difficulties. We have inflation running rampant and all kinds of everywhere you look, you can just get totally depressed if you, if you focus on it. Yeah, and there is much evidence. I mean, they've talked much about uh, how stress uh, brings on the diseases or gives the opportunity for the, the, the diseases to come by lowering your immune system. They, they, they mentioned that about stress. So if you have something to reduce your stress levels by listening to some cool music, then it, it, there's a connection between the between Absolutely. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. I, you know, I can feel it myself. And there are there there are medical studies, for example, that show that when you can do anything that basically reduces your blood pressure, mm -hmm. you can do reduce your breathing rate from real fast to, to a much slower breathing, and you can that brings down your stress level. It reduces all those harmful chemicals that get released in your body mm -hmm. when you're stressed. You know those stress hormones can be harmful to other parts of your body. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think they, they used to call stress the silent killer. Mm -hmm. it, it, it can create conditions that can cause heart attacks and strokes and all kinds of bad things to happen to you. So 
to the extent that you can use anything you can to reduce that stress, yeah. you should. And so my, I know that my music is helpful in that, that vein. So mm -hmm. I'm out here trying to at least tell people, well, give it a try. If nothing else, go to my web. I have Rachel's song made available for free on my website. You can go right in the homepage and click on it. And it says play Rachel's song. And I so, want to tell you that mm -hmm. song that you're going to listen to is that original recording that I heard August 26, 1986, mm -hmm. August 22nd, 1986 in the studio. It has not been remastered, not remixed. You're hearing exactly what I heard for the first time on that Friday evening in 1986. Yeah, and definitely. I'm going, I'm heading over to your website. That's www.comsmusic.com. And I'm going to listen to it. It, it is. It, it will, it will bless you. I guarantee you. And yeah. it's, it's a special song. And now that I've taken you visually or verbally with me into the studio, as mm -hmm. you listen to it, hopefully you can appreciate what you're hearing a little bit more. And you can listen for Gary's when he puts in the electric piano, you can hear when he, puts in the, the low strings and the high strings and, and all that. It, it makes it a more live, a live performance for you. But you did not only take me on a tour to the studio, you took me on a tour to Tennessee. I can't explain to people how Tennessee is right now. <laughs> well, Tennessee is a beautiful state. I'm, I'm from the East Tennessee up in the mountains. I, I grew up in a valley on both sides of the valley were mountain ranges mm -hmm. and a, a river, the Nolichucky River running through the valley. And within five minutes, I could go out my front porch up around the mountain and be totally out of sight of any any civilization whatsoever. I could be back in the mountains and this, the Appalachian Trail ran within about a mile of my house. So mm -hmm. I hiked on that all when I was in the Boy Scouts and uh, oh, as a young boy. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, we really thank you for sharing all these. And I, my, I mean, the stories that you have, we can't finish them. I mean, we can't be tired of listening to them. <laughs> this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is why we should, do, we should go and get your book to read uh, more about the stories that you tell. You tell them so, so, so well that we would like to listen to you all day. Well, <laughs> if you want to really listen to me for eight hours, my book is available as an audio book. Okay. You can go on. You can go on Amazon. If you're an Audible member, you can buy get the Audible copy of my book, and I will read it to you for eight hours. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's music to our ears. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, and at this point, I want to thank each and every person who's been with us on this episode, those who's been watching us, those who are listening to us, and those who will get to listen to the recorded version of this podcast. We thank you very much. I'll mention like uh, a few people. We have Chris uh, Sela Barasa. We have Willis Washington John. We have John Dongo, Jody Decker, Caroline, Carolina Denya, and many more that uh, may have been shy to put a comment there or a like, uh, but we thank you for being with us. And thank you very much. And I, I want to give a shout out to one of your previous guests. He has oh, become, oh. A, he interviewed me and I, he and I have become friends and that's Robert B. Foster. Oh, you remember, you remember yes, Robert? I do, I do. He I do. is a fabulous young man. He and I just had a blast on the, the interview that he did of me on his podcast called yeah. Shut Up and Grind. Mm -hmm. He is a wonderful young man. So oh, yeah, sure. Robert, Robert, if you see this, hello, my man. 
Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, Robert. We appreciate you. And thank you, thank you very, very much, Dave. We are now coming to the end of the, this episode. But um, in my interviews, both here on Now Tell Us and those who may not be aware, I have a, a podcast known as Book Talk at Book Place. And in my interviews, I always like you to leave us with a few words that we will always remember. And this is your time, Dave. All right. If you, if you don't get anything else out of today's interview, I want you to take home this. I want each of you to discover your own gifts that you have. If you don't know them already, I want you to spend some time thinking, what makes me unique and special on this earth. You don't have to be a musician. You don't have to be a writer or a public speaker or whatever, but every person listening to this podcast has their own gifts. Maybe as simple as a beautiful smile, but every, everything, everybody has a gift. And the key is take that gift and expand upon it, nourish it, feed it, water it, and make it as good a gift as you can, and then give it away share that gift with the world. Don't keep it to yourself. Take action on it and, and find a way to give that gift away and bless other people with it. And I think you'll be a happier, more blessed person yourself if you do that. Mm. Thank you very much. So the reason that you've been given a gift is to give it, not to keep it. <laughs> That's correct. Yes. Uh, so develop your gifts, look, uh, find them. Each and every one of us have a gift and uh, give it out. Give it out. And uh, mention Dave Combs. Say he's the one who said so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for now. We are very grateful. And until next time, it's Anthony and Dave. And we are saying bye for now. Bye-bye for now. Bye.